2: Big Tuesday, big Tuesday, Tuesday, the 20th, massive Tuesday. We're in the midst of an oat milk versus almond milk debate. And I, Absolutely. I'm team almond, man. So riddle me this. Actually, it's not a riddle.
0: I don't know why I start with riddle me this. Almond milk tastes a little bit worse, but man. oat milk, I don't trust. Why don't I you trust, trust because, well, for, I don't really, like, I don't trust any of the milks. They're made out of nuts. Or oats. So it's just water
2: and then the, the nuts and then what? Wait, hold on, hold on. Let me intro the pod. This is the Just Baseball <laughs> Show. I'm Jack McMullen. <laughs> He's Peter Apple. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, the intro of the pod is, is done now. Can we keep talking about nuts? Yeah, yeah. And oats. Nuts and oats. Not leaving out
0: oats and I'm the nut guy, I'm not the oats, oats makes I, I feel like I'm 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 thinking about it all in one swoop because I've never really given it a lot of thought. but I put oat milk or almond milk, whatever I got, but I've never actually drank them by themselves. Have you ever
2: uh, I have drank no way milk you by itself what just in a glass of almond like just a glass of almond milk you're drinking so you sip out of the carton because i was curious i was like okay i'm making That's true these- that's probably the only because like when's the last time we had a cup of almond milk or oat milk never never never
0: so also like, can we tell everyone listening like stop drinking regular milk who invented cows giving us milk why are we drinking cows? it from calves god i guess was it a religious thing the first farmer i i don't know you know what I'm drinking right now? What? Cucumber, celery, spinach,
2: lemon, kale, parsley juice. Tastes like compost. Delicious. That sounds actually phenomenal. I mean, I'm not a fan. No, of it's not of those, bad. Like, I'm a, I'm not a fan of some of those veggie concoctions, but like that actually sounds like a nice medley. And we, and we talk about vitamins all the time, like CMOS, chlorophyll yeah. tablets, all these things. Like it,
0: it makes your body feel better. No, oh, yeah, eat vegetables, people take your vitamins. I'm telling you, it makes your brain, and I'm not joking around, like we were joking around about nuts and almonds and whatever, but like it, the vegetables genuinely work. And I know everyone knows that, but try it out. Like put
2: a juice in your body, put some of these vitamins in your body. It makes you feel better. Give it a whirl. Um, I do want to pitch a certain almond milk to you. It's trader Joe's vanilla almond milk, uh, and it's reduced fat yeah Omar, if trader joe's is looking to sponsor a pod I, this is the pot <laughs> isn't it Trader I, and the thing is there's a trader joe's um
0: on the lower east side that we go to all the time lower east side of manhattan yeah and trader joe's i mean first of all most underrated thing from trader joe's the bagged frozen pastas oh really good tell me you don't the gnocchi gnocchi
2: the gnocchi yeah uh the, the gnocchi, the gnocchi. I, I
0: studied abroad in italy so i'm basically fluent in italian it and it's gnocchi
2: okay yeah um i agree <clears throat> that's how i've said it my entire life and i agree that it's really good the cauliflower gnocchi really good really really good throw that puppy in an air fryer and that's that um really all right well, we're wait. gonna talk about wait, air fryer too. yeah air fryer never done cauliflower gnocchi in an air fryer oh yeah all Dude. right let's get let's talk baseball now okay you want to talk baseball uh lance lynn extended how about that deal for the white Sox? that was great fantastic good deal glad that he's extended
0: i mean he's got an era below two how he about deserves this it quote?
2: and it's good that he's got some money oh i mean he had money but like good that he's got some more money now too but not enough money now he's got more money right he's got a lot more money um I do want to shout out this quote before we move on. Lance Lynn, I'm paraphrasing here, but he pretty much said after he signed his extension, why go into free agency when you know where you want to be? (laughs) He is now people's favorite White Sox.
0: I think the White Sox, guys like playing for the White Sox. I mean, you see Carlos Rodon, when they were talking to him earlier in the season, that great interview, he doesn't want to leave either. None of these guys
2: want to leave Chicago. Isn't it awesome? There's an identity, and then arms Marlins. I mean, they they can't hold a candle to Starling Marte and his agent for for anything.
0: I mean, they're lowballing him. They're the average annual value would be less than he's making right now. And I get that you're extending him, and maybe as he gets older, it makes sense for. I think he's what 33.
2: Yeah,
0: he's a little old. It's understandable, but you're you're short selling him, and especially when the Marlins came out and said that they were going to buy all these different pieces, said they were going to spend the money and then they go out and lowball probably their best hitter in the lineup right now. Yeah. Also Buxton 7 years 70 million. That's what the Twins are offering him. He probably won't take it. That's such a tough deal because if you look at the talent that Buxton has, you're looking at 250 million. Right. If you look at the if you look at how many games he's been injured and how many times he's actually on the field, 7 years 70 million kind of sounds accurate. But uh, it might actually sound high. It might actually sound high, especially seven years for a guy who's really struggled to stay on the field. I fall into the, if you're Buxton, I understand not taking the deal, but if you're the twins, I understand not giving him more. That's why I think Buxton is probably going to get traded this deadline.
2: We've got a great show today. We've got top five DHs. We also have Colby Olson coming back on. He just wrote a, a great article. It's pretty much your primer for the second half. Like here's where your team will likely finish up. And he's our algorithm guy. So he made the algorithm. But before we move on from this topic, I want to I pose you this. Open market, who gets the bigger deal? Let's. Yeah, I'll make this a two-part question. Okay. Who gets the longer deal? Who gets the more lucrative deal? longer buxton or correa oh all right oh hard i think longer i think almost the same thing they're probably i think they both get seven you think they both get seven because correa i think seven years 120 is kind of fair
0: he's gonna want more he's gonna want like 175
2: Okay, but he how about seven it. years? Okay, so Correa and Buxton, seven years, 150s, put on your plate. Buxton says hell yes in a heartbeat. Does Correa say hell yes in a heartbeat? I think Buxton says yes, Correa says no,
0: even though... Uh, who would I rather give it to? That's impossible, because Buxton is more talented than Correa. He just is.
2: Really I, he is really
0: good. Oh, Correa's really good too, but has also had his problem staying on the field. I know I maybe it's a personal thing. I am in love with what Buxton can do. If he stays on the field, he's a better player than Correa. I would give it to Buxton. First, I'd like to go in and check the medicals. I'd like to go in and check how these guys are actually training because yeah. Correa has been fully healthy this year, but Buxton is still struggling to stay on the field. Yeah. I would give it, you know, my baseball mind is telling me, don't be stupid. Give it to Correa." But my heart is saying, like, I would rather have Buxton on my team. What do you think?
2: If Buxton works out for two years, three years, I'm not talking physically works out. I'm talking, like, if he stays on the field, he's healthy. Yeah. Like, he's one of the best center fielders in baseball. Like, he's, he's one probably, of the most talented players that there is. Right. So, a, a healthy Buxton, if the injury bug subsides for him and he, he's not hurt the next seven years, I mean, Byron Buxton's a seven-year, $250 million guy that's what i'm saying yeah i it's really hard because like i bank on correa to stay on the field more than i bank on buxton but like i have no idea with byron buxton it it's an impossible question that i post you i don't it's i don't know impossible answer. it's yeah. a great question though uh before we get to colby's um before we get to a conversation with colby about the win and loss um probabilities for the remainder of the year i do have a something i heard so we got to stray away from baseball real quick um Ugly Delicious is one of my favorite shows on Netflix. Dave Chang, um, he pretty much dives into a certain food, so like pizza, barbecue, steak, and he will spend an hour long show on Netflix. Did I just mention that? I think I did. You did mention that, yes. Yeah. Um, he will dive in and he'll talk about, you know, the the connotations behind the food. Um, how it has been created. So like in in the pizza episode, you know, he went to New York, he went to Detroit, he went to Naples Italy for wood fired pizza, all that steak. He went to, um, you know, Bondi beach in Sydney, Australia. And then he goes to a steakhouse in New York. And then he talks about dry aging and he talks about, um, you know, the masculine connotations behind steak uh, and how, you know, it kind of isolates women who want steak. It's it's a fascinating show. I highly recommend you watching. I just rewatched the steak episode. And once the tigers get good, once Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, and huh. Dingler. I love it. Yeah, once the Tigers get good, how did you spot, get from there to there? Yeah. So hold on. Once the Tigers okay. get good, there's a steakhouse slash bathhouse in Detroit called the Schwitz that we gotta go to. <laughs> And the idea is in the basement, you've got like this 100 year old bathhouse. It's men only two days a week, women only two days a week, and then co ed two days a week. And you just get butt naked. You, you know, do the bathhouse thing. So, like, you're in a bunch of heat, you're in the spa type environment. Then you hop into the cold tub, you get these natural remedies on you. Then you go upstairs and you have a steak with the guys just in a robe. Dude. Apparently it's one of the best steaks in Detroit. We got to do it, and it's one of the best steaks in Detroit. Yes, what's it called? The Schwitz. The Schwitz. S C H V I T Z. The Schwitz. Dude, we got to go.
0: <laughs> we'll record some content there. That would be hilarious. Hell- I mean, twenty twenty seven when the Tigers are good.
2: Yeah, I, oh, I have a lot of time to get super fit so we can record shirtless content.
0: Also, did you see the? Uh, did you see the Stroman? Fight ish with the pirates?
2: No, what are you talking about? I saw Mel Rojas got uh, suspended for a couple of games.
0: It was the it was the first baseman Joganowski or Jaganowski or John Nagowski, John Nagowski, Joganowski. All right, I combined them. We're John baseball Nygalski. guys. <laughs> We're baseball guys. John Nagowski, Mike Wazowski, John Nagowski. He was after Marcus Stroman got him to line out um John Nagowski was like are you talking shit and Marcus Stroman was just like I'm not even talking to you you're John Nagowski and I'm Marcus Stroman right and John Nagowski took offense to that obviously and there was a little scuffle and then they're just jawing in the dugout the baseball fights some of them are sick some of them are so lame this goes into the lame category but I'm also using this as an opportunity to talk about the Pirates a little bit um I like their lineup a little. No, bit. you don't. No, you. Yeah, I, their first no. three, I do.
2: Okay, Adam that's Frazier, a third
0: of their lineup. That's Brian, Brian Hayes, and Brian Reynolds. That that's a good three. Yes, it is. But the other six suck. Suck. So, not the. I'm. Can you leave me alone? I'm trying to help the Pirates. Yeah, sure, man. Like sure. The, they they are not horrid. They have. There are some good parts to the Pirates. You're sitting there, just like so bored. Can we get on the DHs? And I get it. They just don't. Mitch, the, Chad, Cool, Mitch Keller. They don't have pitching, but they have some bullpen guys, and they have at least a good young core. Getting Henry Davis. He's going to slot into catcher. With Jacob Stallings, is pretty good. They have at least pieces. This is not a dumpster fire as we may have called them in the past. Yeah, it's not a total blow-up. I agree it's with you. It's not. It's not. And Brian Reynolds, I don't think he's going to get traded. Pittsburgh says they want to build around him. He has over three years of control. I like it. He is a good player. Brian Hayes going to be an all-star. You get Henry Davis up, he's good. Like, they have guys, and they killed the draft. Arm Layton, our prospect guy, said they had the best draft out of every single team. Having the first pick helps, but there's a lot of more picks to do. And they had great second-rounders, third, fourth, they killed it. The Pirates are.
2: The Pirates are an MLB team. Is is this Ben Charrington's first year or second year in Pittsburgh? Do you no. think it's number two? I Charrington was not horrible with the Red Sox. No, not at all. This is not a disaster. Yeah. Guy knows. I what don't he's doing. see really any disasters
0: right now in baseball. Do you see any disasters? Uh
2: hard not to call Arizona a disaster. The Rockies are a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those really are the only two disasters,
2: and they're in the same. Because division.
0: the Tigers at least have like a good young core. The Pirates have a good young core, sorta. Baltimore's got Baltimore's. Baltimore's heavy. got a lot of good prospects. The Mariners have a lot of good prospects. I mean, the Rangers are approaching disaster.
2: Ah. Uh but they've, they've got, got some, some guys. guys yeah 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 the the rockies suck and the, <laughs> the rockies are, are horrible yeah.
0: i bet on the dime max today against the pirates why i, I, I talk about a series i will not watch i know i season. even said the tiktok too i was like i'm going with uh Diamondbacks, pirates or i doubt you watch it but i think the dime are gonna win <laughs> if you want to just if you want to place a bet and not watch the game caleb smith versus chase geong de I'm not good with names, as you can probably tell. I
2: know the guys, not good with names. You know, John,
0: John Gakowski from the Pirates.
2: <laughs> the funniest part is I sent you MLB's pronunciation guide before the season. So it's possible. Feel free to look at that PDF whenever you want. Now, no. I we, think it's more fun if I just get it completely wrong. Yeah. It, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't of, add credibility. Wrong. I get it. I know. All right. Now we talk to Colby Olson about teams' wins and losses. This was a very fun article on justbaseball.com, and we bring him in now. So we're talking about this article on this site called JustBaseball.com. You should go visit this site. You should read this article. And the article is called MLB Second Half Team Projections, Who Should Buy or Sell? Question mark. It is by the guy who's on the Zoom right now, Colby Olson. And what you did is you took a lot of data and you compiled it and you told us who was going to be good or bad in the second half and where teams are ending up. And the Giants are well over 100 wins, and the Diamondbacks suck. I think everybody knew that, but there are a lot of nuances to this. And before we get into anything, just explain how you calculated and how you validated where you think teams are going to end up. Wait, Colby, before you answer that, I loved reading this
0: article firsthand because the first like big headline is Pythagorean win expectancy. And I just hold on, died. Hold laughing. on. Hold on. I was like, what the hell is that? Hold, no, no,
2: no, dude, dude.
0: <laughs> no, in, a, in the best way possible. I no, was like, no, what in the Peter, hell? Peter,
2: shut up for a second. <laughs> Say that word again that starts with a P. Pythagorean. Pythagorean.
0: Pythagorean. Oh, my God. Pythagorean. Pythagorean.
1: You feel like you're back in junior year pre class in high school, man. It's, it's A fun, squared plus B squared, right? Don't. Exactly. Pythagorean. But don't, Pythagorean. Angles and triangles and shit. Area P. Don't let the big words scare you. Sometimes they're they're your friend.
2: (laughs) No, (laughs) big words can scare you if you can't pronounce them. Then they can be your enemy.
1: So it it sounds complicated, but it's really not. So let me run you through it. So basically the idea behind Pythagorean win expectancy is that it models run differential, right? So you take runs scored, you divide that by runs scored plus runs given up. And that gives you basically a percentage that models out to be a win percentage. So then, what I did is I actually tweaked the formula a little bit because I don't think runs scored is, is a very good stat to use. It's not very predictive. I decided to use weighted runs created, which you know obviously goes into WRC plus, which we commonly use and we love as a stat. Um, I use runs against, not earned runs, runs against, so you can include errors in that formula. Um, and then after doing that. Once you get the percentage, what I did was I multiplied that expected win percentage times the remaining games for each team and added those expected wins to their you know, current win total. And that's how I got my expected total wins for each team.
2: That's you know, awesome a lot of steps, but it does make a lot of sense. And I do like that you use weighted runs created as opposed to just runs straight up because it also gives you some predictive qualities to that. And I think that helps the less prediction you have to make, the
1: better you are off, right? I think too, I think everyone listening right now should go read the article because I think when you read it and you see the formula in front of you and you can kind of, digest it a little bit easier um way so to definitely go check self, out man. the article yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, just, I mean it did in interesting <laughs> interesting results right you have the teams that you expect at the top you have the giants at you know 104 wins dodgers at 102 the astros at 100 and the white sacks at 100 wins. those are expected but they're way above the field because the Red Sox, Padres, and Rays are the fifth, sixth, and seventh teams, and they're back in 94 wins. So the interesting thing about these results is it, it actually created kind of a tier system, right? It, it created four clear favorites at the top, another second tier of, you know, wildcard teams plus the AL East, NL East are very competitive, so all those teams are roped in there. A middle tier kind of like teams that, okay, are they going to buy? Are they going to sell? And then you have the dumpster flyers in the back. Yeah,
0: Colby, I have a question for you. I know that you're you're our numbers guy, but I know you turn on turn on the TV and watch baseball every single day, just like we do. Do you really think that the Giants are like really an 104 win team? Because I I, I wouldn't be shocked. Because I, how can you be now with the Giants and how good they've been to start the season? I mean, they ended the first half with the best record in baseball, and they're just rolling. Like their pitching is good, their offense is good, their deep everything down the line is good. Do you see them really at 104?
1: So I think that's a good question. And I do talk about this a little bit in the article as I bring up strength of schedule in the second you know, part of the article. And strength of schedule is really important here because the Giants have to play the Dodgers. They have to play the Padres all the time. It's just like playing the AL East, right? These teams have to play each other and, and it's hard to win all the games against the Yankees and, and Blue Jays and Rays, you know, what have you. So, yeah, 104, that projection doesn't take into account strength of schedule. And that's why I talk about, too, like the White Sox, right? They play, they have the easiest strength of schedule in the first half. They have the fourth easiest in the second half. So they could really outperform their 100 win projection, whereas the Giants might have a tough time winning 104 games. Yeah.
0: Right. I mean, 104 just seems crazy. And I also saw, I felt like the Padres got kind of lowballed here. Do you think they got lowballed?
1: They may, they may be a little lowball. Um, I think you have to give context to all of these projections, right? Because it's based on the first half and how they performed, which is a big sample. I mean, it is ninety games. Yeah, half the, of the season, did underperform in the first half. Um, surprisingly, I think they've you know dealt with a little bit of inconsistency on the mound, some injuries. Then also, Matt is hurt. You know, you have Clevenger out. Um, They haven't been getting the production from certain players that they'd hope to. Hosmer has been really bad. Um, But the Padres are still, you know, it's funny, right? They didn't perform to their expectations in the first half. And yet we're still saying, wow, their expectation is 94 wins. So it's like if they could turn it on, yeah, they might be able to win 100 games for sure.
0: I also saw that year expected the Diamondbacks to win 50 games. <laughs> we were just talking about our only teams in baseball are probably disasters. I mean, we, 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 we're not calling the Pirates. We're not calling the Tigers. We're not calling the Orioles disasters. But the Diamondbacks and Rockies seem like disasters. Am I right or am I right?
1: Well, the Rockies are interesting. In <laughs> well- my projections, I have them at 71 wins. They seem like a team that's you know trying a little bit. Um, they have some <laughs> they have some good players. Erwin Marquez, John Gray, you know, yeah, but they're and, gone, and gone at the end L- of this L- month.
0: Yeah, they'll be gone by they'll the end of this gone. episode yeah. release.
1: That's exactly. So we can get into talking about more of the trade deadline stuff now that we've gone through the strength of schedule and, and my projections. So I think that's where the fun comes in, right?
2: Yeah, r- real quick before we get to that, my eyes kind of gravitate on this chart to the NL East because it is. Jam packed in the middle. You've got the Mets at 86 wins. You've got Atlanta at 82, Washington at 79, Philly at 79, and then you've got the Marlins at 76. I, that is jam packed, and you've got the it's Mets spot amazing. on.
1: It, it feels kind of spot on, right? Yeah, it does. Well, and so the thing is, too, is I made these projections right before the second half started, and Philly's gone on to win a couple of games here, and they look like. They're only what four games back, three and a half back from the Mets, and they look like they could really make a push here. They're, they're you know, Alec Bohm comes back, starts hitting a little bit. Um, they could really make a push here, but then NL East is crowded. The Braves just lost Acuna. They got Jock Peterson. They're probably going to be big buyers. That that's, you know, that's what I've heard. Their GMs. I've say. heard the same. Um, and so the Mets are kind of in a danger zone right now where you once thought they had a grasp on the division and now they're kind of letting it slip. And it's like, uh Oh, are we going to see another Mets second half disaster where they fall apart and they move into August and September where they're, you know, only one or two games up. And so there's four teams there. There's four teams. I think the interesting thing between the NL and AL is that there's not enough spots. There's just not enough spots.
0: One more team that I was looking at, you have the Cardinals pretty damn low here. 75 wins projected for the That's Cardinals low. that is low, low and I know it's it's based on numbers it's not like like you're putting in yeah. algorithms and and it's much more complicated than I can comprehend considering I called it Pythagorean <laughs> and I know it's Pythagorean but I thought Pythagorean was funnier I, I I just I don't see the Cardinals finishing below 80 wins. I would be shocked especially get you get Jack Flaherty back. I still think they're going to be big buyers of the deadline. I know that's not incorporated into it. And I know it's based off the first half. But like, I feel like for the rest of the season, you have the Cardinals as like a 35 and 50 win kind of team. Like they'll be yeah. even worse than they were in the first half.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, no. So I think the thing with the Cardinals, right, is they cannot hit. <laughs> they're pitching. Some at of them can. Good. Their pitching has actually been surprisingly really good, and the addition of Flaherty would be huge for them. Um, but their outfielders don't provide much value. Tyler O'Neill hasn't been hitting well. Other guys in that lineup have not been hitting well. is um, good that's at defense. The reason, that's really the reason there. Um, it would be interesting. I know you're a guy that's been pushing for them to go get story, which I don't yes. think is going to happen. Um, but it would be interesting. I don't think that the Cardinals should give up anything of value.
0: Do you think they would give up Nolan Gorman in that deal? As soon as you said, I wouldn't give up anything as
1: value. That's their best prospect right now, at least at their base. I don't think so. Um, just because I don't think they really have a chance at the second wildcard spot. And I'm, they're not going to catch the Brewers. Um, like I said, both wildcard races are really jam-packed. I think Cincinnati is going to make a really... Tough play for that second wild card. Yeah, spot. you have
0: since he had 85 wins, that's 10
1: wins above the Cardinals. Yes. And I think they could be a team that goes and gets story. We
0: well, you know Luis Castillo in his last nine. Guess what his era is in his last nine starts
1: 2 5. I bet he's doing, I bet he's doing well.
0: Jack, what about you? What do you think? Uh, right around two, I think 2 1. 179. Wow, he's on, dude. Luis Castillo, when he's on, is disgusting. When that he's off, he's up. horrid. Oh, when he's man. off, when he's not locating and that changeups is going middle, he's horrid when he's locating. He's one of the best
2: pitchers in baseball. 97 with the change. Hey Colby Anaheim. If they deal one of their outfield prospects for pitching, do they shoot up this list?
1: Yeah, Brandon Marsh definitely. is coming up. Definitely. Definitely. And you have to remember that they didn't have trout for two months and you're getting back the best player in baseball. Who's worth, you know, for the last 60 games of the year, could be worth four total wins. I mean, <laughs> that's how valuable he is when he's that's off. Crazy. So yeah, it's I mean, like freaking position. Trout could propel the Angels. And as a baseball fan, you just really want to see the Angels in the playoffs. You want to see Otani in the playoffs. You want to see Trout in the playoffs because we just never have seen it. And it's one of those things that you know you go. Trout's already a Hall of Famer. We don't have to discuss that, but. At the end of the day, you know, when he when we're talking about his legacy, it's going to be really important for Trout to have at least a series win on his resume.
0: You know what's crazy? You guys uh, – you know Aaron Judge and Mike Trout have played the same amount of games since Aaron Judge debuted, and Aaron Judge is this, like, injury-prone guy? Same amount of games. Interesting, I right?
1: It. I believe it. You know, Judge – Jack's the- looking at
2: me like he just doesn't believe me. <laughs> Cause I don't <laughs> check, 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 Vangraffs,
0: check Savant. It's
1: the same amount of game. I mean, check baseball reference, check we the back. He's the
2: guest. All right, fine.
1: Go, Colby. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say that Judge seems like a guy that has never really dealt with a long term injury. He's always a guy that deals with these nagging, like oblique injuries. And it seems like every, it's and, all, you know, yeah. maybe his results falter because of that. But he's fully healthy this year
0: and he's raking, he's a top five outfielder.
2: Colby, last one for you. Boston at 94 wins, Toronto right around 89 wins. I think the Blue Jays are going to buy. What do they have to buy to catch up to the Red Sox?
1: Well, the clear need for Blue Jays is obviously starting pitching depth. I think relief depth is the need for just about anyone that's going to contend. But the Blue Jays should go and look for a guy like Kyle Gibson. They should ask about Herman Marquez. I don't think that Mark, you know, for the right offer, they I don't think the Rockies
0: are going to trade him. I think they finally found their guy.
1: Yeah, I think they did. He's only 26 still. Um, but get a guy like Kyle Gibson. I Springer's coming back. You know, you have a full loaded lineup. This Blue Jays team is too good not to let fly completely. I mean, Nate Pearson's coming back too. Um, Alec Manoa has been – I think he has like a 170 RA in his last six or seven. So – um, the Blue Jays are looking really good. I would be terrified if I was the Red Sox. So, the Red Sox had one of the best first halves we've ever seen, and now it's like that probably was at this end of the spectrum. Their 2020 season was at this end of the spectrum, and they're probably going to regress somewhere in the middle. So, I'd be scared. It could be anyone's game, even the Yankees. The Yankees could make a comeback here. I know, Peter, you've been down on the Yankees, but like, they're I'm still up and down, I can't around, even control my own emotions. Probably gonna buy big. I don't see it. I do not see a scenario where they don't buy big as well with that team. I mean, there's not much movement except to buy. You can't really sell any of these guys. They only have one free agent going into next season. This is the team.
0: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you're right, but we just don't. I don't want to buy <laughs> big. I don't want to just give away all of our prospects. Because we actually, I mean, Colby, we were talking about it today. The Yankees farm system actually looks pretty decent. It does look good. They got a lot of high velo. Young right-handers, they got some shortstop prospects. They got some catching prospects. They got Jason Dominguez, the, the son of whatever God you believe in. He's still that son. But I do have one more question because the New York teams, the big markets, you got the Mets at 86 wins, and you got the Yankees at, if you round up, 86 wins as well. Yep. If you had to make a decision right now, who you think actually ends up with more wins over a full season, Mets or Yankees? Who are you going with?
1: That's a really, really good question
0: because it's not—it's um, not even the Mets' fault. They're a little bit injured. They've been injured all they year. Are they, injured. Like Lindor just went on the DL, or IL, whatever you call it now. Um, and it's—I think it's been the IL now for four years. It I still call it DL. I probably always will still call it DL. Just, and Degrom's now on the IL too. I mean, those are two. It good, is best interesting.
1: Guys. So, like, yeah, one scenario there is like does the team that wins more games have the better chance in the playoffs? And that's a question I don't know. Um, I think that currently I still got to stick with the Mets. I think the Mets are going to go get a guy like Chris Bryant
2: um,
1: and really load up. So I got to stick with the Mets. Tywin Walker just had a blow up. I mean, that was just a weird game. And he's still an amazing pitcher. Um, Is there any word on Cinder? I have not heard a word on Cindergaard. And that worries me because if they get him back, that could be huge for the Mets as they go into the playoffs. So um, it's it's going to be a really interesting trade deadline and a really interesting end of the year. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I'll be back, you know, in another week and we can talk about the trade deadline more as more rumors heat up.
0: Jack, have you heard the Gallo and Gibson to San Diego for Mackenzie Goren pieces? Have you heard about that deal?
2: I have heard about that deal.
0: What do you think about that deal?
2: I think it's fascinating, and I'm not going to talk about it because I am with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, and they're a Padres affiliate. So,
0: Dude,
2: come on. eh. All right. MLB second (laughs) half team projections. Who should buy or sell? Colby Olson. appreciate you, man.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm always happy to come on here and talk to you about stats, talk to you about how I actually watch baseball, you know? Okay, good conversation with Colby
2: as usual. He's kind of snuck his way onto the pod twice in not too long a period of time.
0: I mean, he's smart as shit. He just knows what he's talking about. He's explaining expected, weighted, on base, plusing, averaging, double McTwist. Yeah. I think and that he's was the like Sean way, and then, but then you look at it, it's like, oh, Mike Trot's number one. Oh we knew that.
2: <laughs> oh, so my eyes like prove whatever yeah, so so I
0: also agree that Mike Trot is the best. Perfect. Good.
2: I, I think it's crazy that the Giants hold that top spot. It's
0: crazy, right?
2: We were not expecting this. That what that's if if that projection prediction
0: holds, it's one of the craziest seasons I think we've seen in like the past decade of, of a team that maybe we were expecting to be like what? 80 to 83 wins and now they're going to surpass that by 20 it doesn't make any sense
2: it doesn't make sense but it makes perfect sense it does it's the giants that's what the giants do hey nl this year at the very least does not use a dh let's get into the top five designated hitters and this was a short list we're doing five not ten we only have two honorable mentions there aren't many guys that in our eyes qualify as a DH. I think that's because of the way that the modern baseball player is built. They're not built like a DH anymore. Nobody really comes no. in and it's like, uh, I can strictly hit and that's it. I'm not an athlete. Not at all. And we, we were even going over the list. I mean, how many players only had
0: 200 plate appearances at DH? I mean, there was a lot of guys to consider because a lot of guys have played DH before, but this list is centered around guys who are dh's for their team you might see them throw out there and left or right but these are you slot them in at dh and that's their position right it makes sense so So who's
2: over 200 how many people we have over 200 plate appearances like six eight yeah i think eight guys and we have seven including the honorable mentions we did all that we could but hey listen six and seven are still very good baseball players, like extremely not, good base. If you're at six or seven out of position, you're awesome. Yeah, and the, and these guys are awesome. The honorable mentions: Tampa Bay's Austin Meadows and the Franimal, Cleveland Indians Franmil Reyes. I mean, these guys mash in different ways. Meadows is your classic, like yes, throw him in right; he's got a good arm. Throw him in left; he's got a good arm and can move around a little bit. But his bread and butter is hitting the crap out of the baseball and hitting line drives. All the time. And then Franmil Reyes, yeah, I guess you could put him in left field, but, like, you don't really want to. He just hits tanks all the time. The launch angle, the average exit velocity, all sky high. Like, these are two of the most hard, consistent contact players baseball has.
0: The Franimal makes sense. I mean, the dude just hits absolute nuke tanks. And Austin Meadows, I will always remember austin meadows no matter what he does for the rest of his career because he was involved in possibly the worst trade of our generation yeah tyler glass now austin meadows and a guy you might not have heard of shane baz who's going to be maybe the next great pitching prospect mm-hmm. as good as glass now we just watched him in the futures game you heard us talk about him shane baz effortless 98 He's going to be fantastic. And you know who the pirates got in return in that deal? Chris Archer, baby. Chris Archer, who's also on the rays right now. So sorry, Pirates. Not good. Not good.
2: Who have the Pirates, aside from Glasnow and Shane Baz, it's been Garrett Cole, obviously, that got away from them. Who else has gotten away from them in trades?
0: I'd have to go back and think really. Um
2: I think there's I one. don't know no one's coming no one's coming oh well Jameson Tyon I guess Tyon like, yeah I Tyon's definitely one of them that I think yeah about.
0: Tyon's one of them I don't know if they've just been trading away all of their pitchers I think this has been kind of a like a recent thing like 2015 2016 in the last couple of years this
2: has been really what the Pirates have been doing and I don't do I understand not really we've done a lot of Pirates conversation on this podcast it's good. They need some love. They don't they get do a lot of media love. attention. That's what we do, Jack. You're right. And Yinz is the word of Pittsburgh. Y I N Z. You ever heard that? No. What does that mean? Uh, I think it means like y'all. Like Pittsburgh's version of y'all is Yinz. Yins? Yeah. So Yinz. That doesn't sound right at all. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. The I versus the ah.
0: Because <laughs> when I'm when I'm looking for a group, I want A ah rather than I. Eh. Yeah. Does that make sense? I just want to say hey and have everybody. Or hey, hi. Hey. (laughs) All right. Uh, None of that nonsense anymore. We break into the top five DHS. At number five, Giancarlo Stanton of the New York Yankees. Giancarlo can definitely infuriate some Yankee fans, but there is no doubt that he is still a top five DH in all of baseball. Hate on Stanton all you want, but he hit 308 in the playoffs last year. And he's still mashing home runs with the best of them. I mean, his hard hit rates are absolutely still really unmatched. He hasn't had a year where he hit a ball at least 120 miles an hour. I want to say that again. Since 2015, he hasn't had a year where he hit a ball at least 120 miles an hour. Nobody does that. The Yankees might have some problems, but Stan this season is far from one of them. Yeah, he makes a lot of money but he's still one of the better power bats in the entire game and is still definitely a top five DH.
2: Stantonian blasts, man. Stantonian blast. I mean, he's still that dude. He's still that dude, which he sneakily only makes like $16 million a year. And for a DH, that's a ton of money. But like that deal, when it first came out, was like, oh my God, this is groundbreaking. And now you look at the annual value of that deal and it doesn't really match up with, how the contract market has trended over the last couple of years.
0: Multiple teams are still paying his contract, though. I I don't know how much he's actually bringing in.
2: I bet he's bringing in a lot. I bet he's bringing in a lot. $325 million over 13 years.
1: Uh, I
2: have always enjoyed watching Giancarlo Stanton. And, like, I'm not a Yankee hater. I certainly don't make the Yankees appointment viewing. Like, Red Sox-Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball – also, that lineup was terrible, but they won. So that lineup looks, looks bad. Yeah, uh, well, the whole team is out from COVID. Judge,
0: yeah. Rochella, all these guys. And then you take Judge out of a lineup and you look at Rugnito Odor hitting third. And you think, And you think to yourself, God, where has this team gone?
2: Man, it's tough. Um, but yeah, Stanton's really good, man. He's not as good as number four. And the fourth best DH is Nelson Cruz. Cruz is 41 years old and he's in the 96th percentile on average exit velocity. I think that's all we got to say, right? (laughs) He left Texas at 32 years old after an all-star 2013 season when he hit 27 bombs. Since then, his lowest total in a full season is 37 and his 16 home runs in 2020 averaged out to a full season would be right around 40. And dude's durable. Since that 32-year-old left Texas, he's a five-time All-Star. He's finished in the top 10 of MVP voting five times. In all three years that he wasn't an All-Star, he finished in the top 15 of MVP voting. So he's always put together a great year. And is he going to hit 50 bombs as a 50-year-old? Are we going to go 50-50 with Nelson Cruz? (laughs) It's a possibility. And it's
0: funny. You know how there's the rumor going around that Albert Pujols lied about his age and he's actually older?
2: No, I didn't know that.
0: There's a rumor going around that yeah. Pools is legit 45.
2: Huh. I, I had no idea that that was a rumor.
0: And they're also, I'm creating the rumor right now that Nelson Cruz is actually lying about being older than he is. That it he's actually like younger. 32? I don't like he's lying about like, cause he wants to seem cooler that he's legit 34. Dude, like th- Jorge Polanco seems as old as Nelson Cruz for no good reason.
2: Right. So I think Jorge Polanco gave some of his years to Nelson Cruz. Something, I mean, something's going on in Minnesota. Something. Man, I like 41 years old and he's going to hit 35 bombs. And he'll be back next year too.
0: probably another 30, 35 bombs again. Okay. And how about what's this? stopping him from another year after that?
2: 30, 35 bombs. What's going to stop him? How himself? About Clean slate, open market. How much do you pay Nelson Cruz on a one-year deal next year? 12? You give him 18 million.
0: 18? Yeah. He's 42. Uh, no, that's stupid. That's stupid. Twelve. I think more. I think at least 15. I mean, if you gave him... Would you be shocked if you saw a two-year, thirty million dollar deal for Nelson
2: Cruz? Yeah, kind of. I mean, he—you're buying a forty-four-year-old guy. Like <laughs> he rakes. He's the best hitter in that lineup. He'd be the best hitter in a lot of lineups right now. Man, I mean, you're right. I don't know. Just, just go to three. This guy's a lot younger than forty-one. This guy is a lot younger than forty-one, and the third best DH in baseball
0: is Jordan Alvarez of the Houston Astros. Can I start by saying that I think Jordan Alvarez will be a Hall of Famer one day? He's got that type of pop in his bat. In his career, 167 games, almost a more than a full season. He has 44 home runs, and he's hitting .298 in his batting average, a .382 on base, and he's slugging .585. I think he's going to finish his career with over 500 home runs and a high enough average, probably around 280, 290. This man is seriously one of the best hitters in all of baseball. But he's not one of these classic big old lefties that swing and misses and pulls the ball every time. You got to go look at his hit spray chart. It's gorgeous. I mean, he is a behemoth that sprays the ball to every corner of the ballpark and is definitely the
2: third best DH in the entire league. So our boy, Bob Costas, said that 500 home runs is now ho-hum. What, what do you think about that? I love Bob. One of the greatest moments of my life was interviewing Bob,
0: but 500 home runs is not ho-hum. No. It's you know cool. how I know that? Because Miguel Cabrera isn't even there yet. And Miguel Cabrera is a legend. And the fact that he isn't there yet goes to show you how hard that is. And that's where I think Jordan will end up. That, like, the dude barrels literally everything. 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 Like, I I feel like he's using, like, a bigger barrel than everybody else. Like, his bat is – because it's right in the middle. You got to watch him hit. I know you do. But it's, like, every single time, it's right in the middle of that barrel, whether it's the left field, whether it's the center field, whether it's the right field. It's every time. He barrels it more than – I mean, you look at the percentages. It's all 100%, 100%, max, exit, all of that. Like, it's all right there, and he's just – he's a freak and remember he went he came over from the dodgers in that trade he is not
2: a guy the ashos bred he, he's a former dodger farmhand i would like try and add something about Jordan alvarez but i think that was the perfect transition bringing up miguel cabrera and barrels and all that stuff to the second best dh dh in the game i mean <laughs> you're going like i don't really care if you hate this or not jd martinez is at number two and I would just rip off a bunch of numbers, but that's not the best use of our time with him. Let's talk about his bat path. If you catch J.D. Martinez in the on-deck circle, you still might find him bringing the bat through the zone with one hand, his backhand, and he's seeing it all the way through the zone. I don't think you could name five people playing right now that even come close to the level of hyper-focus and the study habits that he brings When it comes to his swing, he might be the smartest hitter in the game. J.D. Martinez's swing has been manufactured by him to keep the barrel in the zone for the longest time humanly possible. Alex Spire, who does great work with the Boston Globe, said his swing path has been comped to a Ferris wheel before. He doesn't swing particularly hard. He just has his barrel in a position to hit longer than anyone else. It starts in the back of the zone. It comes all the way to the front of the zone. J.D. has a career pull rate of 36.5%. And so far this year, he's gone to pull 34% of the time, up the middle 39% of the time, and the other way, 27% of the time. There's no other hitter in baseball that hits to all fields with the power that J.D. does. And he said that his career took leaps after his time in Detroit because he got to study Miguel Cabrera. And that's, I think, the one guy... In recent memory, that you can compare not only the swing, but the results for JD Martinez too.
0: Said it very perfectly. I mean, JD Martinez is Manny Ramirez esque for the Red Sox. He, yeah. uh, as a Yankee fan, he's always the scariest at bat. I mean, Rafael Devers probably hits the Yankees even better, but JD Martinez when he's up at bat, similar to the Big Poppy, similar to the Manny Ramirez. It's just a scary at bat, no matter what the situation, no matter what the pitcher, no matter what ballpark. Not saying he's the best hitter in the league, but he's one of the scariest
2: when I'm personally watching him play. I mean, the thing with him is, like, he's so strong. He doesn't look the part. but he's so smart. He's so smart. Like, that is what takes – That's where – that's what puts him over the edge.
0: Because a lot of guys, like, have his level of power – Yeah, like Jordan can, has the amount of power. Stan, Judge, like these guys have this, they have more power. But the way you use the power is something that J.D. Martinez really has mastered in the doubles machine on top of the home runs.
2: Nobody can go the other way and hit one over the fence into the right center bullpen at Fenway like J.D. Martinez. It almost looks like you're playing slow pitch softball Mm -hmm. and you kind of look at
0: the fielders Mm -hmm. and you think, all right, where am I going to place this ball? He does that with 95 cutting in. Like that's the kind of hitter he is. Reminds me of another, not, reminds me sort of this. We were watching batting practice, right? And uh, this was back when each row was on the Yankees. I want to say four years ago, okay, maybe even sooner. I don't really remember. But watching guys take BP and the Yankees are crushing balls, no doubt about it. But each row. There's a scuttlebutt around like saying each hits some home runs, hits some home runs. He looks in the crowd, rattles off 11, just bang, right field porch, just bang 11 in a row. And guys like that with such crazy bat control, similar with JD Martinez, like I said, just placing balls where they want. And when you have that kind of power and that kind of ability with the bat, I mean, like that's, you're one of the best players in baseball and you're one of the best headers in baseball and you're the second best DH,
2: but talk about Babe Ruth, man. The number one
0: best DH in baseball and quite possibly the most talented player we've ever seen is Shohei Ohtani of the Los Angeles Angels. Shohei might be the best player in all of baseball. I mean, who do we compare him to? Babe Ruth? God? I mean, there's a chance that he isn't really a human being, that he was sent down from an unknown planet to take over America's pastime. I mean, he leads all of baseball in home runs with 34 as a pitcher. He ranks with Judge and Stanton on hard hit rates. He ranks near Buxton in sprint speed. He has a similar strikeout percentage to Zach Wheeler. He is just below Clayton Kershaw in pitching. He's a superhuman, easily the best DH in baseball, and is slowly becoming the best player in the entire sport, but his teammate Mike Trout might have something to say about that when he returns from injury. But Shohei Otani is uncomparable,
2: unmatchable, and just amazing. They've got the two best players in baseball. I, like Mike Trout is, he, this is so weird to say, but Mike Trout is better at hitting and fielding than Jacob deGrom is at pitching when you combine the two. So like Mike Trout, I think is a better position player than Jacob DeGrom is a pitcher, even though that's really hard to say, Um, but it's a toss up, right? I think nobody would make the argument right now that Jacob DeGrom should be ahead of Mike Trout. If you were putting together your top 10 players in baseball right now, it should not be DeGrom over Trout, but Otani, because he's so good at both. I mean, he slots in right there. I agree. Right.
0: I mean, we, we got to see Otani do it for a little bit longer. Which is reasonable. Yeah. Just got to see Otani do it for a little bit longer. Yeah. But, I mean, shit. If like
2: you're, If you're starting... 34
0: home runs, he's pitching. 3 4 ERA. Y-
2: you're the GM of the Seattle Kraken. Nobody's protected. You got this expansion draft coming up. It's Shohei. He's 1-1. Think about this.
0: We had a question on Twitter, and we blew up on TikTok a little bit. Want your opinion on it. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. wins the Triple Crown. Shohei Otani hits 50 home runs, strikes out 200 guys, steals 20 bags. Angels don't make the playoffs. Blue Jays do. Who's your MVP? Otani. Me too. Quickly, Otani. Quickly, Um, Otani, right? Because I, yeah, you give it to Vlad. I mean, Vladdy, triple crown, hasn't been done before since Miguel Cabrera, but I even commented back on the TikTok because they were saying no one's really ever done the triple crown instead of Miggy. I was like, name me another season where it's where
2: what Otani has been doing has been done like name me one because you yeah, can't I, not even Babe Ruth that's also that's not a good take at all like obviously the triple Crown's very rare but like you've got Miggy who just did it at the beginning of the 2010s and then like obviously you got to go back to Yaz
0: it's amazing you know it, uh, but there's some triple crowns where it was like 45 home runs 120 RBIs and right. at 310 like that's been done before that's there's not- precedent there's yes. precedent for the triple Exactly. Crown. There, there is there's precedent. No,
2: there's no precedent for what Shohei is doing.
0: No, it's it's like Tom Brady led the league in touchdown passes and then went over and led the league in interceptions. Yeah. You can't do it in basketball because they both
2: there. It's it's uncomparable. It's unmatchable, and we're witnessing greatness. We are. We're witnessing greatness. And it's the quick twitch movements and it's the fine skills matched with pure athleticism. And this guy is the most gifted athlete I think the world has right now. And on that, I think we should wrap up this episode. Thank you, everybody.